Aftershock with Alex Morgan. I'm Phil Leva, and we're here at PayPal Park after a one to zero Leagues Cup loss for the San Jose Earthquakes against Tigres of Liga MX. Alex, uh, your initial thoughts following the match. What do you think? Well, the Quakes were never really in it, were they? They come into this game already at a deficit. They need a two goal victory to, to take them to the, uh, the next round of the Leagues Cup. They've only achieved a two-goal victory twice in their last 23 games. Uh, they have never achieved a two-goal victory, as, as far as I'm aware, against uh, Liga Amekis' team in any of the friendly games that they've ever had. Not in memory, yeah. Especially not against a team like Tigres, who are consistently one of the best performers uh, in Liga Amekis. Uh, and then Liga Amekis score an early goal. I think it's... Uh, uh, a little lucky that they they get that goal, but yeah. uh, then the Quakes really don't have anything anything to to do from there. So uh, it was a, it was a deserved win for Tigres. I think they played their cards very well. They did exactly what they needed to do. They got the smash and grab, mm -hmm. and they come away uh, having exerted relatively little energy against the Quakes and, and moving on to the next round. Right, and the Quakes really needed to get an early goal to even have an opportunity to get any points uh, in this match. And they were unable to do that. I mean, they were pretty even from half to half, right? We had eight shots in the first half, nine in the second half. They really couldn't get things going offensively in terms of, like, taking advantage of those opportunities that they had. Though they were able to create some opportunities throughout the match. I mean, there were some nice moments here and there. But we saw Cade Cowell get an opportunity. We saw Carlos Acapo get an opportunity. And they just weren't able to put those goals away to take advantage of those opportunities. So, uh, you know, I think a lot of fans right now are thinking, where do the Quakes go from here? They recently got the signing of uh, Ayo Akinola. And, you know, moving forward, it's going to be focusing on the league once again, as we had talked about before, right? Yeah. So um, I'm interested to see in the chat how folks are feeling about the League's Cup loss, uh, whether the team should have put more towards the League's Cup or if going back and focusing on the league is really what they should have been doing in the first place. Well, I, I don't see how they could have put more into this tournament. They, they, they played their starting lineup in both games uh, against the Portland Timbers and tonight against you guys. If you look back at the beginning of the season, this, this starting lineup was the starting lineup essentially for the first two months of the year. And uh, we're going to get to speak to, to Luchi Gonzalez in the post-game press conference. Uh, he's been popping in and out of frame. So I'm anticipating uh, that he'll be coming uh, shortly to, to help explain what he saw. But, but I, don't, I don't think he was holding back anything from this tournament. They have, they have a long enough break that they mm -hmm. were able to, to play their starters tonight, uh, knowing that they'd have uh, a, a lot of rest before the MLS, you know, uh, regular season uh, resumes in, in three weeks time. Uh, you know, the issue tonight was was just that Tigres are kind of the next level mm. above them. Mm -hmm. Tigres, when they wanted to, they really didn't have any difficulty breaking down San Jose's back line. They got enough numbers in the midfield. Uh, they got the overlaps in the uh, advantages on the right side. Uh, and, and they made them count. And then they were able to to stay in a, a low defensive block and, mm -hmm. and, and bunker uh, and uh, just to see the rest of the game. And out. yet the Quakes did not get blown out in the match, even though Tigres was able to continuously break down the defense. We did see the defense of Tigres break down on the other side of the pitch as well. I mean, the Quakes did find their opportunities. And as I said, they just weren't able to take advantage of those opportunities. So I... I agree with you, Alex, and that Tigres did. They were the dominant team in this match, but the Quakes did have an opportunity to score a goal or two. And, and I think that the 
the quakes came away with their dignity intact at, at sure. very least they were not blown out of the water they kept it to a one goal game i'd be interested to see the xg uh you know outcomes but it felt like they were due a, a goal or two in that game because of the the chance that uh, Carlos Acampo had in the mm-hmm. first half, because mm-hmm. of the looks that uh, you know Jeremy Abobasi had from the top of the box, because of the, the mm-hmm. looks that we had Tommy that Thompson, in the, half, Tommy Thompson in the second half. the second half, Acampo had the header as well. Acampo had, had the opportunities. So um, you know we could be talking about a different story here. Like if they had just put those opportunities away, we would be having an entirely different conversation. And I genuinely think that the way that they were playing in the uh, the final third was was decent. Uh, it was it was solid, and uh, we're looks like the U.S. head coach is in the uh, uh, press conference right now. So we're going to skip that uh, presser and uh, wait until Luigi Gonzalez's presser, which should happen uh, after that. But 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 I think that the 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 Quakes going forward, I was surprised by the volume of chances that mm. they were able to create mm. and the way that they were able to get in and get those cutbacks. They had a few solid cutbacks. I wish Jamin Moore were here to praise the way that they were getting those cutbacks, but but they had chances uh, in behind and they were able to break down mm. Tigres' back line, which, which surprised me, given that all Tigres had to do in this game was maintain a clean sheet and and walk away with you know fewer than two goals conceded. I was surprised with the way that the Quakes were able to, to break them down fairly easily. Yeah, and you know, if you go back and look at a couple of these goals, I mean, Jamin had mentioned in the Slack chat that Cade Cal's opportunity actually was a pretty low XG opportunity. And so we did see them at times, you know, in front of goal, although they weren't able to score, they did kind of keep themselves in the match. They did play toe-to-toe at times, although I don't know if it was a matter of just like cat and mouse, okay. right? Here's the thing, Phil. Cade Cowell's opportunity was a low XG opportunity because he shot from the top of the box when he realistically should have played the ball in behind for a capo or should have ran at his defender. That's what we missed so much about Jack Skane in this mm. starting lineup is someone who can run at the defender, lay the ball off to somebody or beat them and take the shot. That's what Jack Skane showed against the Portland Timbers showed in the MLS regular season for the last few months. And you could feel his, his absence out there for the quakes. They, they were great at distributing the ball in wide areas, but nobody was really forcing the issue down the middle. And that's something that they could have been. I, I take issue with that a little bit though, because I think there were times in the match when Jeremy Abobasi did really well pulling back from the nine position and receiving the ball, which is actually something that I think he's had difficulty with throughout the season in terms of bringing the ball down and controlling it with his feet and distributing. We saw a lot of that in this match. I thought he did really well delivering the ball out towards the wings. And I, you know, there were certain times when he was the focal point of the offense here. So I'm looking in the chat right now. I'm seeing some folks are curious about uh, Akinola as well. They're getting questions about Ayo. I'm curious as to what you think about his debut tonight. Um, Alex, well, you've thrown two things at me here. I first want to respond to, to your first point. I don't think that Jeremy Obobese is the, the problem. Jeremy Obobese, I think, had a solid he game was tonight. Great. He was able to get involved. He had a few shots from the top of the box. I think that the person who I was hoping for more from was Jameer Montero. Mm-hmm. And it didn't look like Jameer Montero was necessarily 100% fit. He's been out for a few weeks now. That was one of the main reasons why Jack Skane had been brought into the starting lineup in the first place. And he still doesn't convince me as a number 10 in, in Luchi Gonzalez's system, as as the guy that Luchi Gonzalez needs to, to carry the ball forward, break lines, mm. and be goal dangerous. And and we didn't really see him get involved enough we didn't in see the way that Jack Skane has the been quick, pushing the tempo. The quick change of possession moments where we really could have seen him more. Because if you, if you need two goals in this game, mm. Luchi Gonzalez knew going ahead of time, the Quakes would need to be on the front foot. They would need to be pushing the tempo. Uh, they need their 10 to be doing that. That's that's where that energy has mm-hmm. come from. When the Quakes 
won 2-0 against Seattle, won the Quakes, won 3-0 against Sporting Kansas City. The energy needs to come from the middle there, and they need to be high-intensity pressing. And I think they tried to do that, but weren't able to do that because Montero uh, wasn't entirely reconnected uh, with, with, with the squad yet. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I think that this has been consistent throughout the season. Like, this isn't anything new for the Quakes. It has definitely been a problem spot. I did, again, think that Jeremy Abobasi was able to fill in some of that a little bit throughout the match. But you just need somebody quicker on the turn, right? When the ball is moving through the midfield, you need somebody who can just be quick on getting it out to the wings. You can be quick getting it to the top of the formation. Montero hasn't quite been that guy this season. I mean, we did see a couple moments where he was able to dribble out of pressure. I mean, Tita's pressed quite a bit throughout the match and the quicks were able to find their way out of that pressure, but it just wasn't enough to actually get anything into the back of the net. Yeah, but there, there is, as you say, a new addition here in San Jose. Io Akinola making his debut uh, coming off the bench uh, in the second half mm -hmm. for the Quakes. And what, what interested me, honestly, it wasn't even Akinola's play. I think we kind of know what we're getting with Io Akinola. He's a, you know, a bruising number nine who is good at finishing in the box. He can get in dangerous spaces. He can get ahead on the ball. He can you know, get his way in the far post and finish. He's a, it's a true finisher. He's kind of a, a late game super sub, a bruising super sub. We yeah. can put on a la Alan Gordon, a la Steven Lenhart, mm -hmm. um, you know, guys that, that San Jose Earthquakes fans know and love. Uh, you know, whether he's, he's at their level is another question. You know, he had an ACL injury a few years ago. And while he had a, a sort of really rousing kind of uh, debut in Major League Soccer at Tor Toronto FC a few years ago. Mm -hmm. The last few seasons, he's not been goal dangerous. The idea here, which you can start to see tonight, is rehabilitate him, get him in a new environment, and make him goal dangerous again. And and so I think I think we know what we're getting with him. And was I there anything we, that you saw tonight that was convincing for you yet, or is it still in that rehabilitation phase? And there's a lot of work yet to be done. Still in the rehabilitation phase, a lot of work yet to be done. But I think what really surprised me tonight, what made me hopeful, was not how he played, but the way he was used. Because mm. he was used up top in a two at the top, yeah. in a basically a four-three-two-one, uh, 4-3-1-2, a 4-3-1-2. Two, two strikers. He went up top with Jeremy Obovese, and I liked the way that they were playing off each other. Uh, and I liked how the Quakes were pressing with that two at the top. Absolutely. And I liked them having the option. It seemed to throw Tigres completely off their game. They didn't know how to mm -hmm. keep possession mm -hmm. when the Quakes brought in Akinola and completely changed up their formation. Because we really haven't seen them been able to play with, you know, two number nines like that, two true number nines like that in a really long time. And and teams don't know how to, to, to you know, break that press with that formation yet. And, and that's going to give uh, Luchi Gonzalez more options going down the stretch here. So I liked the, what I saw there. And I want to see him experiment more with that. My only concern is that it moves Christian Espinosa all the way back to a, a right midfielder role, a right hmm. wingback role, when in these leg game situations, you really want him to you be the one you know, on the counterattack breaking mm -hmm. the lines. Because Akinola, he has good you know, positioning, movement. He's got good good size, aerial ability, but he doesn't have the pace anymore. Well, let's talk about, the, let's talk about the, the counterattack for a second here, because late in the match, we did see a really effective counterattack that we haven't seen from the Quakes many times this season. It was Christian Espinoza who broke the lines deep within uh, the defensive half for the Quakes, and he was able to get it up to the, the top of the formation. They had a really nice-looking counterattack. Once it gets to Tommy Thompson, things kind of like slowed down a bit, but they had a really great opportunity there. And I was thinking to myself, I don't know how often we've actually seen that this season. Now, do you think this is a matter of just having more numbers up top and Espinoza playing behind, or what do you what do you account that to? 
in, in terms of like an effective counterattack, something that we haven't seen too many times this season from this team. I, I think we have seen it plenty of times from this team this season. And what it usually involves is Christian Espinosa waiting on that halfway line, waiting for the ball in behind. I can remember very vividly just a few games ago, I can't remember if it was LAFC or Galaxy game. I think it was the LAFC win that the Earthquakes had uh, was when Jack Scan got on the ball in midfield, played a ball in behind mm. for Christian Espinosa on the counterattack, and, and he scored a goal. That's an example of the Quakes counterattacking well. That happens when Christian Espinosa is up top on the halfway line waiting. So what you're saying runs. is Christian Espinosa can't do everything for this team. He can't do everything for this team. <laughs> he can't do yeah. everything for this yeah. team. Yeah, well, he's either going to start the counter or he's going to be on the end of the counter, but he can't do both, right? Okay, so let's talk about other surprises in this match. What was it that impressed you about this team? They were able to hang in 1-0 throughout, you know, after the goal. They they made a few uh, substitutions. You know, Lucci made a few substitutions. He could, took a couple different approaches. You had already mentioned the two-striker formation. Were there any player performances that stood out to you in this match? Anything positive going forward for this team? I don't think there, we learned anything here that we didn't know about the players in the starting lineup. I I, I I don't think there are any particularly poor performances, but I, I don't think anyone stood out. I think, you know, the absence of Jack's game stood out to me. Yeah. The absence uh, of somebody driving the intensity uh, stood out to me. Uh, I don't think anybody had a particularly strong performance. I, I think I saw a few weaknesses mm -hmm. is, is what stood out to me in the back line that makes me worry. And look, the Quakes aren't going to have to play a team with Diego Lainez and, you know, Gignac up top every week in Major League Soccer. But with that said, the way that Tigres were able to, uh, to, to, to kind of create space uh, in and around San Jose's box was, was, was problematic. And, and they, I think they really had Miguel Trauco's number this game. I think oh, the, sure. the biggest weakness in this game for San Jose was down that left side mm -hmm. with Cade Cowell and Miguel Trauco because Tigres were, were punishing them. That's yeah. how they scored their, their goal is they, they you know, get uh, Trauco to commit. Uh, they they have the underlap or the overlap around uh, the winger on that side, and, and then they just have numbers, and the Quakes weren't able to to adjust. Trauco was caught out of position a few times. Cade Cowell wasn't giving him the support he needed. And then once they get in behind, they're going to have dangerous looks. And, you know, with poachers in the box like they have, uh, they, they, they made them down. And, 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 you know, so that was one issue. The other issue was the, uh, the way that they were playing kind of off – San Jose center backs, the way that they were playing off of Rodriguez, the way that they were playing off Tanner Beeson uh, and, and catching them off guard. They were able to, to kind of hover in those half spaces, uh, hover right behind uh, Rodriguez and, and Beeson and, and take advantage of them. And, and they, they, they were able to get the numbers there and have good movement. And, and San Jose really couldn't cope with that. You know, there's already questions in the chat here coming up about uh, Jonathan Mensa not being present in the lineup tonight. I'm wondering, you know, you, you're talking about some of the defensive woes that the team has. We've got Jonathan Mensa. We've got Nathan uh, also as options in the center back position. But right now it's Rodriguez and it's Tanner Beeson. Um, just your thoughts in general about Tanner Beeson and Rodriguez pairing moving forward. I mean, is this something that the Quakes can depend on or is it yet more defensive woes that we're going to see throughout the season? I mean, we definitely saw it here versus Tigres, but you had mentioned not, I mean, not every MLS team has players like Linez and, uh, and Gignac, right? Like the, those are certainly like really, really high quality players that you simply don't get too often in the MLS. So the Rodriguez Tanner Beeson center back pairing, I mean, how confident do you feel about this going into the remainder of the league uh, season? <laughs> I, look, I, I, I think it's good enough 
against most major league soccer teams. The defense hasn't been the issue for San Jose this season. They've been switching back and forth between, you know, ben, uh, Beeson and Mensa in mm-hmm. that back line. And it hasn't really caused any major issues uh, and, and any consistent major issues. Um, my question is what happens in the off season, because I, I really don't know right now. If you have Jonathan Mensa playing the way he was at the beginning of the season, hundred percent, it should be Jonathan Mensa and Rodriguez in that starting lineup. But something happened with the disciplinary issue that Mensa had uh, in, in, you know, May and April, mm. and he has not looked the same since he has not gotten the same chances since. And uh, you f- get the feeling that he's on the outs here and, and that he's not in Luchi Gonzalez's long-term plans uh, at this stage. Because he was a guy who they were expecting to jump into the starting lineup and replace Nathan. Replace Nathan after his ACL injury mm-hmm. as the starter in, in that back line. And, and he's not doing that. And so now you have a question where, okay, you have Mensa, you have uh, Rodriguez, you have Beeson, and you have Nathan at the end of the season all returning. And the only one that's really locked down is, is Rodriguez because he just got a new contract extension. Right. So then you're, you're deciding between Mensa, you're deciding between Beeson, you're deciding between Nathan. And I really have no idea who is going to be in a, the better long-term option for, for the Quakes heading into next season because we don't know what Nathan's fitness is going to be, if he's going to be the player he was when – when uh, he went before he went out with that ACL injury. Uh, We don't know where Menta's head is going to be at. If he's, uh, you know, even got enough legs in him at at his age to continue to be a a, a reliable starter. It's a a good point, right? Because when Jonathan Menta came to the team, I mean, he came over from the Columbus crew and this seemed like a steal at the time, right? Such a good find for the front office, which it still is. This was a win for the organization. He provided so much defensively, in terms of leadership and stature and the quality of the team, the way that they that they presented themselves in terms of their defensive posture. Like it was so many, you know, great things for the squad early on in the season. And yet there are so many question marks about where he is now. And I'm kind of wondering if there was something there that Columbus knew that the team just didn't know going into it. Right. So anyway, looking at uh, the, the the rest of the team, the, the midfield in this match, uh, Cade Cal, we haven't had an opportunity to talk about Cade Cal yet. Uh, <laughs> what's, what's, the re- what's the reaction there for? I, uh, okay, we, we did mention the missed opportunities, but uh, what do you think? Was he able to do some of what he did earlier this season in, term of, in terms of creating space for Christian Espinoza, Jeremy Abobasi, or are we still, as a lot of folks in the chat have been saying, with the position that Cade Cal needs to be sold as quickly as possible? Okay. I think I'm going to become a broken record about Cade because uh, when he was away with the USU 20 team mm-hmm. and when he was with the U.S. men's national team at the Gold Cup, I really appreciated what he was able to offer for those teams as a second half substitute playing in a more advanced number nine position. Mm-hmm. Uh, the composure that he had, the confidence that he had, uh, the willingness to take players on that he had. I really appreciated that. And it made me realize, holy cow. This is the kind of player who could get a transfer to Europe, who could get a, a four or five million dollar transfer to Europe. That's just not the Cade Cowell we're seeing no. in San Jose. It's not and the Cade I'm Cowell. Just, I'm just realizing seen. right now, too, in my mind, like I had very quickly placed him in that that midfield position, thinking in a four four two sense rather than a four three three, which is what Lucci often employs. So I'm like kind of right with you there as I think like. I don't know if it's a matter of like the system that he's playing in here with Lucci with the 4-3-3 playing on the wing, or if it's a matter of like getting those opportunities to play a little more centrally, and maybe that's where he's more effective. I, I think the answer is that it's a, it's a little bit of everything. 
And that I think the thing that at this stage of Cade's career would benefit him the most is a move to Europe where mm. he's in a new environment, a more challenging environment uh, where he's going to play with a new coach and a new system. And they're going to use him in different ways that will hopefully bring out the qualities that, that we've seen him have with the U.S. men's national team. So, so that's where I'm at on Cade Cowell. And then the question becomes, can Chris Leach get that deal? For him, we know there's been interest and there's been offers for Cade repeatedly over the last few transfer windows. Can Chris Leach generate a good offer for Cade in this window so that he can move him out and bring in a marquee mm-hmm. left winger? That is the player that the Quakes need right. to take that next step up. Because we saw, I, I think, a, a, a lot of people might have been confused by the Akinola signing at, at first glance because it's not necessarily the kind of big marquee player that the Quakes really need right, at this moment. We, he's, mean, a, he's a depth signing. We know he adds value right. to this team. But there's and he adds another dimension that, that this is something that we've talked about before, right? Yeah. We talked about the the lack of the powerful nine, uh, Alan Gordon, Stephen Linhart yes. that we've seen in the past as another option, another dimension for the team. So I don't know that too many people are necessarily surprised by it. I think more so disappointed that it's not yes. a bigger signing. A bigger it's name. not the signing that I think Quakes fans have been expecting or, or wanting. Right. right. Because they've been wanting that marquee player. Uh, and there's you know only a few weeks left in the secondary transfer window to get that done now. And there's a lot of pressure on, on Chris Leach. We had the opportunity, uh, me and Jamin, to speak to Chris Leach uh, you know, midweek and talk mm-hmm. to him about his plans. Uh, he made it clear, Iowa Canola is a, not expected to start at the beginning, but he's a guy who offers this team a different look. He's a depth signing uh, that they need and that they're looking for the rest of the window, but, but it would essentially require a player going out mm. to bring in that player going in. So the pressure's on him to get a deal for Cade, to get a deal for Benji, or to get a deal uh, for uh, somebody else, possibly Jameer Montero. You could get a lot of value out of him, possibly JT Marcinkowski. We haven't talked about it a lot, but there right. are definitely MLS teams who could use a, a starting quality keeper mm. in goal. And JC Marcinkowski could have some solid trade value. And I think if you can trade JT Marcinkowski and bring in a really marquee number nine, if you find the right mm-hmm. player, that's a worthwhile trade-off. At and point. yes, and the Quakes do have homegrown signing Emi Ochoa there in that position to kind of, you know, play underneath Daniel or play behind Daniel if if that should be necessary. I do want to take a moment here, though, because you had mentioned Iowa Canola and that signing uh, to refer folks over to QuakesEpicenter.com and uh, to, to check out on the YouTube channel. I imagine a lot of you are already with us right now. Uh, you'll see Colin Etnayer has a breakdown of the uh, Io Akinola signing, uh, what it means for the team, how it works within the salary cap, how that deal was made, and what the prospects are for the future. So make sure you go check out uh, quakesepicenter.com to see Colin's piece. Find it on YouTube. Um, it's actually, it's, it really informed me as to what the Quakes were doing with this signing and what Io Akindola can do for this team and gives a little bit more as to what his skill set is. So some of the things that we've already talked about, but just a little bit more depth. Anybody who's seen Colin here on the show or has followed any of his content before, you know that it's really great. It's really in-depth and it provides a lot of insight. And, and the one thing that, that Colin mentioned that I think is absolutely spot on, look, his entire analysis is great. Yep. He's the only person who can explain Gam and Tam to me in a way that makes it make sense in my head. Yeah. Uh, but but the, the one thing that he brought up is that uh, there's a connection between Iaconola and the earthquakes, and that is Ian Russell, who is currently mm-hmm. San Jose's assistant coach uh, with Luigi Gonzalez. He had been the coach of Reno 1868 FC for a few years. He's been around the San Jose Earthquakes organization a long time, and he was 
an assistant at Toronto for just mm-hmm. a, a few seasons during Iokinola's breakout season right. there. So this is, I, I think, very clearly an Ian Russell, Ian Russell call. Ian Russell obviously would have been uh, intimately familiar with Akinola's game. He would have known Akinola as a person and would have been, I, I assume, pivotal to making that decision to trust uh, to trust Akinola and, and, and I, to believe that he has uh, room for growth after that ACL. And I like these kinds of loan deals, especially with the team in the Eastern Conference. I mean, it's really good for the Quakes to have this sort of relationship with teams that are playing on the other side of the country who are playing in a conference uh, not necessarily within. So it's competitive with a team like Toronto FC. But to be able to uh, you know, have these loan deals, I think, is really beneficial for them moving forward. And they certainly have a lot of talent. Uh, coming out of Toronto and their system. It looks like we have Luchi Gonzalez joining us. Hi, uh, Coach. Is this uh, a frustrating loss that you got shut out at home? and Or is it a situation where it's not an MLS game, so you're not as frustrated? I don't know if frustrated is the word, just, you know, kind of sad for the guys because I thought our players left everything on the field. I'm really proud of them. Um, I thought we showed some high level concepts, ideas, play combinations, uh, pressing, you know, against, against one of the best teams in, in North and South America, you know, central North and South America. So uh, yeah, it's disappointing not to, to get the result here home in front of our fans. And by the way, thank you to our fans. I thought they had amazing energy. Um, you know, there's a big Tigris contingency here and it's expected um, with with our communities that are very Latin American. So uh, it just made a, a great environment, a great event. And I'm sure for all fans, it was it was a good game for them to see. But I'm part of our guys. I thought we pushed the game and until the very end, created chances to score, didn't bounce our way. But if we keep uh, showing that attitude, personality, that confidence to play, things will bounce our way in our league. So we're disappointed, and I'm sorry, our fans were out of the league's cup. We, we really wanted to do well in this cup. Um, but I'm also proud of our guys. We left everything on the field, and we'll move forward. And congrats to Tigres. It's a very good team, very well coached, and we wish them the best. Uh, Coach, when you see a team like present an attack, like Quinones, like Linus and Miniac, how difficult a challenge they, they present to your whole team? in general, not just your back one. Yeah, no, we, we definitely highlighted that in the week's training and the video analysis. Uh, they have individual talents that can change a game at any moment. The goal we conceded was an example of that. Um, um, and you can see why they're effective in their uh, in their league. And they have probably two players in each position, if not three, that can do that in terms of their talent. They invest a lot in, in, uh, in, in, in the, you know, they've, in historically winning championships in the league. And, um, but I'm like I said, I thought we matched them well. Um, we did need a collective effort to shut down those in, individuals. And I thought we did that for most of the game, with the exception of the one player that led to the goal. So, And we created chances that, you know, uh, Guzman made some good saves in some moments. So we, I, thought, I think we could have challenged him a little bit more in, in taking our chances. But, um, you know, yeah, no, they have some special talent. So, and we knew we needed – we have really good individual players as well. We have young players that, were, that are still developing. Christian Espinosa just resigned. We're really happy to get his commitment for the next few years for this community, this club, these fans. 
for him, his family. That's awesome. Um, we have our, but we want to focus on our collective talent, like um, not individual. And and I'm proud of our collective effort tonight. Coach, um, I know you'd rather be planning for the knockout mm -hmm. rounds, but what do you plan on, like, or how do you plan on using this time off that you guys are going to have, which is rare? Because, you know, a lot yeah. of players have been talking about you know, a little bit of burnout. You know, what do you hope to tweak, especially, you know, with the new players coming into it? Yeah, yeah uh, uh, we gave the guys a few weeks ago an extended moment break because we we, we had that opportunity. But, you know, we would have liked to continue an intense schedule in the League's Cup. Um, unfortunately, we're going to definitely have to pivot and uh, we got to focus in the next two and a half, three weeks before we play Vancouver. Uh, we'll, we'll, you know, business as usual. We're going to, we're going to get back to training. Tuesday will be a regen slash training. We'll do it like an inner squad by the end of the week. We will give an extended weekend off. We'll give another extended period off for the guys. Like you said, to give them a mental break more than just physical break, but then we'll do a normal two week microcycle going into Vancouver. So that would be the plan. And we want to do probably some team activities as well, maybe even off the field, because we have a great group, a great locker room, a family-oriented group, and just continue to give them opportunities to build bonds away from the game. I think we can have some good moments of that as well. De esta experiencia para la MLS y para el equipo de jugadores que nunca se han enfrentado a equipos como Tigres. Gracias. Sí. Hola, Paula. Eh, buenísimo esta copa. Buenísima idea para crear competición entre MLS y Liga MX. Eh, ambos ligas empujando uno al otro. Eh, jugar como esta noche con fanatismo de los dos clubes. Eh, para una competición, no amistoso. Siempre hemos jugado partidos amistosos, pero para jugar una competición eh, contra un equipo de Liga MX hace a nosotros crecer, mejorar en la competición y, y lo abrazamos. Y me encanta este torneo, me encanta esta copa que sigue, que lo siguen haciendo por muchos años eh, y que lo mejoran hasta más. Pero lástima que no, no continuamos en esto, pero nosotros eh, no, nos gusta mucho esta, esta oportunidad y esta experiencia. Look, I, I thought, uh, you know, Io is still needing integration, right? He he's only trained maybe three times with the group. Um, he had been getting continuous training and play with Toronto. He's adapting to San Jose now. The way we train, the, our intensity, our our game model. Uh, the locker room. So that's going to take time. So these next few weeks will be really good for him. Uh, but look, he are, I think he already showed he's got some physical qualities in terms of hold up, turning uh, defenders. And, uh, you know, he gets a shot on top of the box that he created for himself. And and if he puts that on target, I think it's really dangerous. He's got power, speed. He can play centrally. He's a center forward. He can play on the wing. He's versatile. So I, I think, and he's got a, he's got a, he's young. He's young and, and, and he has a lot, a lot, a lot of room to still improve. So um, seems like a good, a good guy, a uh, good young man. And, and I think, I think uh, he's going to be a good addition to what we need in our depth to compete the rest of the season. Well, it's, uh, it was a decade ago, the last time Quakes were in the Concacaf Champions League, the last time I 
sticks in between Senator Quicks and a League of MX opponent. So even though this is a different competition, do you feel like the energy was fitting of an encounter between the two teams represented different leagues and a different challenge? Yeah, look, we, we made it really clear um, our ambition in League's Cup. Um, we wanted to win this thing, you know, because historically this club has not won an international cup. We wanted to write our own name in history, and this was the opportunity, and it will be the opportunity in the future. So we'll, we're hopeful of that. We just got to wait till next year. Um, you know, some some unfor some lack of fortune in terms of the draw, right? Like we had to play at Portland and then home at Tigris. This, those are two very challenging games, you know, and and you see some of these other. Uh, teams playing maybe even both games at home, right? And so there's big advantages in that. And then, you know, I'd say Tigres is not your typical Liga Megis team. It's a very talented team. Um, and as you saw with one of the best Liga Megis center forwards in the history of the league with Kenyak. So, you know, whatever. It was going to be a tough group to get out of, but um, I thought we did a lot of good things. We're going to learn. Um, we want to be, get better every day. We want to get better. So uh, we'll do our analysis reflection and Take it out on the MLS, MLS now. Thank you. We'll go now to questions from our media on Zoom. Alex Morgan, go ahead. Yeah, potentially, you know, we we historically in this season have not started with two center forwards. Um, we want to have numbers in the midfield. We want to have numbers on the back line and true wingers. So and we've had pretty good production with with that foundation. But, you know, at the end of a game, not even at the end, I mean, we did it with 20 plus minutes left, but we needed to push. We needed goals and we needed to do it one moment and one goal at a time. But, um, yeah, that was the idea. So we ended in a three, five, two still maintaining numbers in the midfield, having wing play, wide play, still having the ability to defend the back line in transition, um, but have two guys uh, with physical presence in and around the box. And so that was the idea. And I thought, I thought it was interesting. You know, we did get on the ball. We created those wide overloads. We got balls in the box. There was even one, I think Christian had that isolation wide. It was a quick attack. If you put, and I think uh, Io made a hard sprint between the center backs to the back post. Had we got that ball in a little quicker in an early crossing. So I just, I, I thought it was an interesting dynamic just to stress their back line. And um, unfortunately we didn't score, but, but I thought it was dangerous. Last question. We'll go to Brian on zoom. Brian, go ahead. Hey there. Um, as you alluded to um, a couple times in this conference, uh, you're playing one of the best teams that you can find in this hemisphere. Does that make you the way that you, except for one moment in the first half, you pretty well stood toe-to-toe -to -toe with them. Does that make you feel better about the rest of the season going forward? Yeah, look, it's definitely a good reference when you can uh, have a high-level performance against a high-level team uh, and and use that as an example of what our potential is in terms of gameplay, right? Like our, our mission as a team from preseason is has been we want to – we want our fans and our families to admire the way we act and the way we play. And I think we can be proud of that tonight in, in how we acted and how we played and, and pushing the game. 
you know, we, we had more shots than them. We, we, we created a good XG against a, a very good team. So, um, you know, yeah, that, that is definitely something we want to grab and be proud of at the same time. You know, one of our main values is like compete. We can beat anybody. And I thought we showed the attitude and personality of that, but we, we didn't get it done. You know, so we got, we're disappointed with that. We're, we're not, we're not happy. We're not satisfied. Um, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to be sour for the next two weeks. We have to train now without a competition for the next few weeks. So we're going to be pretty bitter about that. Um, but like I said, we'll, we'll, we'll get over it. We'll move forward and we'll know that we can beat anybody and we got to apply it in the next opportunity against anybody. And that we complete with some of the Earth Race Bowl team press conference. Thank you so much, Coach Lucci, for your time. Thank you. Good night. A lot of interesting stuff there, Alex, in terms of answering the questions about Io Akinola. I mean, you went right for it, which is kind of what I was interested in, looking at the different formation um, opportunities that Lucci has with the team, with the squad. But one thing that I found interesting is he talked particularly about the end of the match being the time in which we could see the 3-5-2, maybe when you're chasing a lead or when you need just something to switch in order to put the other team on the back hill. Uh, what are your thoughts about that? Because my feeling is that this is a great opportunity for the squad to possibly uh, have that sort of formation at the beginning of a match as well. Uh, do you see this as an opportunity for the team to have a different look from beginning to end, or is it more so, as Lucci said, do you think that you know seeing Io in there when a two-striker formation with Jeremy Abobasi is that best kept to the end of the match when you're chasing the lead? I think that's a formation that you use when you're chasing the lead at the end of the match when you want two strikers who are pressing the center backs and making it impossible for them to build out of the back. And when you're putting in a lot of crosses, because realistically you can't press that way from the beginning of the game. And I don't think that Iowa has proven enough to be a starter mm -hmm. up top yet. I, I think it's that formation that we saw looked good, but is, is best used at the end of the game. And, and I think Luigi Gonzalez has earned my trust. I, I definitely trust him to, to make the adjustments that he needs in game and ahead of each game in order for this team to succeed, because we've seen them adapt and evolve at multiple stages throughout this season. We saw them a few weeks ago, adjust to some of the absences and play with the three, five, two. That's kind of lopsided mm -hmm. uh, with, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Paul Marie playing very high up the field and Carlos Acapo on the other side, dropping deeper. We've seen them play in the four, two, uh, three, one that he likes. Uh, and, and I trust, and, we, and, we, and we've seen him also make adjustments in the middle of the game, switch back and forth between the two in the middle right. of the game as needed. So I, I trust that he will do that well. And, and I think that, that his in-game management is really solid, but no, I, I, I don't think that this is something that you throw out uh, in the first game back against Vancouver, right at the, sure. the top of the, the 90 minutes. So I have a couple other thoughts as we kind of like round things out as we, you know, we're done with the press conference now. Um, one thing is I wanted to talk about sort of the approach that the team took in this tournament just a little bit more. Uh, you could tell that Lucci was very disappointed in the results, uh, the, the score at the end, but not in the amount of effort that the team put forward. In fact, uh, you know, when he's talking about the the mental rest, the mental break, the team coming back together, he said we have a good squad. It sounds like there's a lot of positivity moving forward in terms of the squad itself. He also mentioned the collective over the individual, right? This is something that he said throughout the season. So I found that to be a really interesting point that that's something that's at the front of his mind. So I think it sounded to me like he's proud of the performance that they put in, given the draw that they got 
having to play on the road against the Portland Timbers, having to play against Tigres at home, which is an incredibly difficult draw in this competition. Um, I mean, what, what is your take on this? I, I think it feels almost like a missed opportunity because I think that it's very clear looking across the league how fun and exciting these games can be, yeah. how much intensity it is, there is how much how much rivalry there is. Gignac is a guy who was a few months ago talking smack about Major League Soccer. And there was, was a lot of you know highlights on his comments about Liga MX being a better league uh, and being uh, you know having having better competition there. And 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 I think that we've seen you know across the board very good battles between Liga MX teams and Major League Soccer teams. It feels like a missed opportunity for the Quakes because it feels like they barely even got to participate in that, right? They go to Portland mm-hmm. last week. They lose 2-0. And then the, the Portland Tigers game happened, and, and, and the results worked out such that the Quakes were barely in it in yeah. this game from the top. They needed to overcome a two-goal deficit. With the early goal you know, inside of 20 minutes, their League's Cup experience, real yeah, kind of I mean, competitive games against mm-hmm. an Liga Emekis team – is is you know only 20 minutes long and, and that's a, a disappointing outcome because you could feel the intensity at the start of the game you can see it happening across the league and you know i, I wish the quakes would have been able to really and i i think the longer. quakes did have that intensity throughout the match i think we saw it there there was a lot of fight like even going all the way through to the end they continued to try to make those opportunities we saw the counterattack. we saw uh each player you know trying to create those opportunities in front of goal uh but this is just a reminder once again that, you know, the teams in MLS that do best against Liga and Mackey's teams are the ones that have the the strong starting 11 and the strong depth as well. I, if you've watched the CONCACAF competitions over the years, folks, the one major difference between Le- Liga MX and Major League Soccer isn't necessarily the starting 11. I think MLS for a long time has had starting 11 squads that could compete with Liga MX squads. But at the end of the match, when you talk about stamina, when you talk about like that fight and the players coming off the bench, it's always been Liga MX. And that's why these MLS squads have had such a hard time getting any trophies in these uh, these CONCACAF competitions. So I'm not necessarily surprised that we saw this from the Quakes. I mean, we've talked about that need to have better depth for this squad but i am excited to see some of these other teams in major league soccer who are starting to create that uh and they are going to be competing a lot more against these these league mx squads so there's a lot to look forward to in terms of the tournament obviously as quakes fans it's disappointing not to see the team go farther than the 20 minutes that you just mentioned and and being competitive and having that hope for the tournament but i think there's a lot of things to look forward to and look there's also the player that we haven't mentioned Right, who scored the free kick goal against Cruz Azul at the end of that match for Inter Miami? So there is a lot to look forward to. And and there is one thing that I want to highlight though, because Chris Leach actually did talk about these depth issues when we spoke to him. Me and Jamin spoke to him at midweek. He said that he thinks Major League Soccer actually should be redesigning the roster rules or adjusting the roster rules to account for this extra load because they have already a full slate of 34 games this season. And they're adding two more games, maybe three, four for teams that are advancing to the next rounds on top of that, Mm -hmm. on top of the U S open cup. And this is straining major league soccer teams and and rosters is what he said. And he said, if it's adding uh, another roster slot, if it's adding more room in the cap, there should be some adjustments to account for this added load. And I think that's probably a pretty widely shared sentiment across the board for major for sure. soccer GMs. And, and I think that's, that's already pretty popular is an mm-hmm. expansion of or a relaxing of some of these roster rules. I think lots of major league soccer teams have been pushing for that. And look, if you have that, then you have 
less of these depth issues where you, where right. you see Liga MX teams who are bringing in, you know, insanely talented they players. They just have more the money. They're spending more on their players who are on the bench. I mean, that's the difference, right? And I don't know how that looks for Major League Soccer, whether that's giving more like gam to the team so that they can use those funds to pay for those players who are playing on the bench um, just so that they have like more talent. You know, it's it, to me, it's just a matter of the spending, right? And for years and years, Liga MX has been a, a, an a competition, a league that has had more spending in comparison to a lot of the other leagues in the region. But Major League Soccer is certainly getting up to their standard, right? I think we're seeing that. So, Alex, one other thing I wanted to talk about in this uh, this match is the actual environment. Usually we start off the show talking about the environment, especially when we're broadcasting from the stadium. Um, I know walking up to the stadium, I saw a lot of yellow jerseys, the Tigres fans, all over but you know once the once folks got settled in i thought it was actually pretty well split if not even more quakes fans than tigres fans i mean the ultras showed up very well tonight they were loud they were uh, thunderous they they provided great support for the team they were certainly louder than the tigres fans with the exception of the fact when there was like general reactions or general chanting right so Throughout, you would hear the Seismic Union and the Ultras, and they were creating the environment. But there were also the times in which the Tigres fans would have louder reactions to the plays on the field, given that they oftentimes, in general, might be more active as fans than we would see from Quakes fans. So I thought that was kind of interesting. But overall, I thought the Quakes fans turned out pretty well tonight. What, what do you think? Well, so I, I'm going to contrast this to the game that the Quakes had against Club America oh, in, yeah. a few years back. Yeah which was essentially an away game. It was an away game for sure. This was not that. This mm -hmm. was not uh, as as sort of Tigres heavy uh, uh, turnout that I was expecting. It actually felt like, if anything, Quakes fans turned up more. Yes. Knowing that, anticipating that Tigres would have a good show out uh, and, and trying to match that. And it was announced as a sellout, which is, uh, I think, you know, one of the first that we've had uh, this season. Uh, and it was, a, it, was a, it was a good atmosphere. And I, I think it was great. Uh, I was I was surprised by that, given the way that the game played out, given the fact that the Quakes allowed an early goal and uh, were you know essentially knocked out of the tournament after 20 minutes. I was I was worried or uh, fearing that uh, the, the atmosphere would would dissipate after that moment. Yeah. But but it didn't, and I think in part because uh, you know everyone was excited to see uh, you know these two teams benchmark against each other beyond the kind of Liga. Uh, Leagues Cup, uh, you know, advancement. I, I think that the, the fans were invested in, in, in you know, the, the concept of yeah. which which league is better, Liga MX or Major League Soccer. No, it was really cool. And I think for the most part, like the crowd was pretty well behaved. I know that's been like an issue when we have uh, Mexican teams playing here at PayPal Park. We've seen that in the past. There's enhanced security, for example. Uh, we definitely saw that in the Cruz Azul game. We saw that in the, the Club America game. Uh, but tonight it was it was actually, for the most part, really great. I mean, there were some objects that were thrown onto the field uh, by one of the Quake supporter sections at, uh, at one point. But they did go on the uh, the announcers did go on the loudspeakers and they announced, you know, they told the fans not to do that, and I would assume that it improved. I didn't notice it as much afterward. But overall, I thought it was great. Um, they had the players read the statements at the beginning of the match, asking them not to say anything that's inappropriate. Uh, and there like were no, chants, no for issues example. with the goal kick chant. Exactly. And so, like, there were a lot of good things happening, I thought, throughout the match. The environment felt positive and vibrant. And, yes, it was like a healthy back and forth between Tigres and the Quakes. And I just thought it was a really good showing, uh, and it did feel a lot better than we had seen in the past. So, overall, I thought it was a 
it was a great environment. Now, in, in past summers, we've seen the Quakes play actual friendly matches in the summer against big European teams. Manchester United a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I'd like competitive games like these better, where you get new audience in, where you mm-hmm. get uh, you know uh, big names in, big stars in. But there is something to play for, and the Quakes are playing. They're starting eleven. So and that's have, the other have, factor. Have right? Something invested in the game. And so, that was so that I, was I awesome. like that. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then you still have, you know. La Liga teams coming to San Francisco and, and other, of course, you know, of course, that's uh, going to be European soccer in the Bay Area this summer. Yeah, but overall, great environment. I thought it was a great match. It was a great showing for the city of San Jose, um, for the Quakes fans and for the Tigres fans too. Like, I thought it was really cool that they, you know, they came out and supported the team, and it just felt like a, again, a great environment. It was a good back and forth. So, yeah, hundred percent, Phil. I, I think you have some, some advertisements to make. Yeah. So, folks. You can find our content not only here on YouTube, where you should like and subscribe and turn on those notifications so you can join us after every single match and during the week for when we have our, uh, our uh, I don't know what you want to call them, like the Colin and I video uh, about IO. Specialists. Our Spe- specialists. Yeah, I, I don't know. We don't have a name for them. Our live Mini hits. shakes. I don't know. But uh, all of our content on the YouTube channel, make sure you, you turn on your notifications so that you can see it. Visit us at Quakes Epicenter dot com where you can find our articles the salary spreadsheet which also is done by colin etnire and the quakes epicenter patreon for just a couple dollars a month you can get early access to our articles and videos that we promote there on the website and for five dollars a month you can also get access to the quakes epicenter slack which alex and i were both on tonight chatting it up with the fans who are patrons and contribute at least $5 a month to the Patreon. So uh, make sure you go check those out. Again, quakesepicenter.com and follow us on social media at Quakes Epicenter on Instagram, threads, and Twitter. Are people still using it's Twitter? A, it's Alex? X now. You uh, have to call it X. I'm not even on there. I do not go on there anymore. I cannot We're, stand and it. And so here's the other pitch for the, the patron Slack. The other pitch is that Jamin Moore is always on the patron Slack lurking somewhere. He was not able to be on the abstract tonight because he is in Texas uh, on a, a family trip. Uh, and I wasn't expecting to hear from Jamin all night. And yet Jamin Moore appears in the Slack channel uh, and is following <laughs> along and is giving yeah. all of his hot takes that you miss on the show. All of the arguments yeah, that we yeah. have on the show, that's that's happening in the Slack channel. Yeah, it's a little too amicable. I think uh, the nice thing about having Jamin is listening to you guys argue back and forth. So that's a lot of fun. You know, it's nice being here with you, Alex. It's been a it's been a good time. Absolutely. Now I want to throw it back to you, Phil, for your final thoughts on this game. What you're taking away from this game, what your positives are, okay, what, look, your, what your what your weaknesses are. I realize that that Tigres was more of the dominant team in this match, but let's take a look at the scoreline here. I mean, this is a one zero loss. We saw much worse losses for other MLS squads against the Liga MX talent in this this competition in the league's cup and so overall uh although it's not a win on the score sheet i think this is a win for the san jose earthquakes in terms of the liga mx fans coming here getting the paypal park experience getting to see the quakes a lot of it at their best with some of their best players on the field we got to see some razzle dazzle from christian espinoza and jeremy abobasi at times and even jimmer montero was not as Look, man, we've already talked enough about Jim Rowe Montero and his performance. There were some commentaries who were defending 
Jameer Montero's first half performance tonight. So if that's, some, if that's, some, voice, that's kind of what I'm thinking of. Yeah. That, if you're trying mm-hmm. to voice those feelings, mm-hmm. you have. That's thought. exactly what that what that is. I think that Jamiro Montero showed well in some moments, but overall, you know, it's not a performance to necessarily get excited about, especially when he occupies a designated player slot, which again, go check out Colin's video on Io Akinola. He talks a little bit about that as well uh, over at QuakesEpicenter.com or on the YouTube channel here. So, um, but you know, I had a great time here at the game. It was cool seeing a Liga MX squad come in. And in a competition, that matters, right? This wasn't just an exhibition. This was a, a game that had meaning to it, and you could feel it from both sides. And so, again, uh, a healthy environment, uh, back and forth, a lot of fun, you know, uh, booze and jeers and cheers and everything in between. So, uh, overall, a great match. And, uh, Alex, I'm going to kick it over to you and let you finish off the show tonight. Yeah, there, there's no shame. In losing to Tigres, who are one of the best teams uh, in Liga MX, I think that there there is a little bit of regret in the way that the game played out, and and I think the Luchi Gonzalez would have thought that the Quakes, given the way that they were attacking and given the way that they were able to to find some space in behind, could have could have done you know made it more difficult for Tigres and and could have you know. Uh, gotten the first goal and if they get the first goal then I think it's an entirely different game it, it just felt like this mm-hmm. one after that that first goal went went in the wrong direction for the Quakes and, and after that it was it was a knockout blow yeah. they weren't weren't able to recover you know they weren't beaten you know 4-2 uh, like the Seattle Sounders were earlier today so they, they walk away with their dignity uh, but definitely a sense that next year they have unfinished business in the League's Cup that if they play a Liga Amekis team first it would be a more intense game would be a more intense atmosphere and that there's there's something that they're still missing out and let, let, to be clear too like the quakes played one of the better teams in liga mx they played one of the historically and also presently like one of the better teams like they didn't play necoxa or like one of these smaller clubs that is also playing in the league's cup they they drew one of the better teams i think like somebody said in the press conference in the hemisphere and it's a one zero loss and in a match in which they definitely could have drawn gone to penalties or possibly even won by a goal. And so now, now for me, Phil, my eyes are all on the transfer window and Chris Leach for these next three weeks. There's three weeks before the San Jose earthquakes play next against the Vancouver Whitecaps. Luigi Gonzalez talked a little bit how they're going to take a little break and then start with the normal two week cycle heading into that match. But the question is, can they bring in another player who can make this team better? Can they secure a transfer for Cade Cowell, for Benji Kikanovich, for Jameer Montero, for JT Marcinkowski, and use those funds to bring in a marquee left winger? Uh, or are they stuck with, with this roster for the rest of the season? And we know what this roster can do. Mm-hmm. We know that this roster can make the playoffs. We know that this roster can be a very good team at home. And I think we also know the limitations of this yeah, roster, goals. which is that <laughs> they need more goals and they – uh, they they are are lacking in production on that left wing and in that number ten position, and they'll probably struggle if they finish seventh or eighth to get out of that first round mm. or the playoff uh, playing game in, in in the playoffs. So so we know they can make the playoffs, but the next question is, can they do more than that? Can they make a run for the Western Conference semifinals or Western Conference finals? And I firmly believe that if they get the marquee player that they need. They can do that. And so that's that's the pitch, right? That's the pitch to John Fisher to spend money. That's the the uh, the kind of motivation for Chris Leach in this uh, you know remaining few weeks of the of the transfer window is that they 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 have you know a little bit of space to to make a move happen here. And if they do, it'll have an extremely high 
I, I, I think, potential return on investment here. The, the marginal impact here, I think, is really, really large uh, for this team at, at, at this stage. And so all eyes are on the transfer window for, for the next three weeks. Yeah. Well said. Well, I want to thank everybody for joining us tonight. Again, visit us at QuakesEpicenter.com. Make sure to follow us on social media at Quakes Epicenter. We hope you all have a good night.